I have not had the chance to meet you yet. My name is Kurt. I serve as lead pastor, and I just believe these next few weeks are important for us as a church community to understand the invitation of Jesus to connect to community, the invitation of Jesus to walk in faith where we follow him and are obedient to the teachings of Scripture and to the way of his kingdom. And to be uh, those who follow Jesus into the mission of God here and now because we believe God's kingdom is come and coming through the church. And you might disagree with God's plan, but it seems to be his plan is to invite us to be a part of the community of God and to begin to join God in seeing his goodness come here and now through the power of the Holy Spirit until the day that Jesus comes again. And from this day... Until the day that Jesus comes again, here is the trajectory of God's kingdom. Behold, I am making all things new. That is the work of the people of God. That's the work of the church. But I think one of the essential things that I would say right now in this day and time is how we relate to one another. You might not know this about my story. I happen to have a master's in marriage and family therapy and was trained in a graduate level training and then have sat with people and listened to story after story after story. And there is a remarkable work of God that calls us into meaningful connection and relationship. Relationship with the living God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. It is incredibly personal. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's incredibly relational. It is incredibly communal. This is what God is up to. And so today I want to kick off our series, We Are Family, with message number one, connect to community because God calls us to love and unity. Say love Love. and and unity. Good, you're awake. That coffee's working. This is good news. Well, here's what I want you to know. The way forward is together, period. The way forward and the work of God here and now on the earth is together. The way forward is connected. You are not meant to walk alone. You are not meant to live in an individualistic way. It will be deeply personal, but it calls you beyond yourself and into a family. The way forward is following Jesus. Here at the Vineyard, we believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's good news. Jesus is good news to your soul. Jesus is good news to your mind. Jesus is good news to your relationships and your work. Jesus is the way. And we believe the way forward as a local community, as a church body, is joining the mission of God. I love what happens here on Sunday. I love what happens here on Sunday. This should be a catalyst and an encouraging spark that sends us out into the rest of our week to look for the presence of God, to join the ministry of Jesus where we go because God is on mission pursuing our city, pursuing our families, pursuing our friends, and we get to be a part of it. One of the things I hope you'll connect to this morning is that in a family, we are all called to make a meaningful commitment. Now, again, as a marriage and family therapist, I know that sometimes our families that we were born into, that we were adopted into, our families that, you know, we carry by name and by upbringing aren't always the best examples. I recognize that as we talk about family here, that might be hard for some of us, but what I want us to do is to look to the family of God as our model. And in the family of God, we are all called to make a meaningful commitment. 
commitment to walk together, to love one another, to serve one another, and to contribute to the good of the family. To contribute to the good of the family. Now, I'm just curious, if you just think about the culture at large, and we're not going to say, you know, we're not, well, yeah, I guess it's making judgments, okay? If we're going to make judgments about the culture at large, does the culture at large outside of church look like a really healthy, good, vibrant family? No. Okay. Is there sort of this like air that we breathe, especially here in Pearland, Texas, in the Houston area in the United States, that it's a little bit more kind of a consumeristic culture? Does that feel pretty normative? Yeah, so a consumeristic culture, here's my theory, my opinion. You can, don't quote me on Twitter, it's no good anyway. Okay, uh, here's my opinion. We live in a consumeristic culture, and so we are actually raised and discipled all the time to eat what tastes good to you, to buy what looks good to you, to have what is about you, and to be catered to in all the marketing so that it's all about you, and you get what you want, and you have what you want, and it's all about you, and you just consume, 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 and Amazon has made it so pleasant because you can just go, right now, boom, it's all my living room. It's like right there, front porch. I didn't even have to leave house. I didn't even have to work. I don't even have to work. I just have to have enough wealth and resources to have the kind of phone that will do the thing and that can buy the thing and then I can keep consuming and I can consume and I can consume. And church oftentimes is very similar. I look for the church that I like, that has the music style I like, that has the preacher <laughs> that I like. So here's the thing. In a consumeristic culture, Jesus wants to disciple us differently. Jesus wants to disciple us differently. We must embrace a greater sense of family which postures us in a relational connection and commitment, and commitment to others. If you are coming to church and it's all about you and only about you, that is actually a problem. Now, here's the good news. God loves you and will do incredible things in your life, and it will be personal and wants to transform you and wants to call you into the greatest life that you will ever experience. It's personal. It is never isolated, and it is never individualistic, which means we are joining something that's bigger than us. That's what we actually need. And Jesus wants to do this work in us so that we see commitment greater than consumerism. This is a great word, right? Get lots of followers on Twitter with this one, you know? IG, Facebook. See, what's hard about this is we got to get a little bit more close and personal and connected and begin to share our lives with one another so we can make a commitment rather just come, consume, and leave. I can do that at a restaurant. I can come to a restaurant, consume, and leave. Nobody there has to know me, know my story, know my stuff. It's wonderful. But we are a family. The work of God is a familial work. It's good news. This is actually exceptional news today. I was talking with Kevin Rivas, and he shared this incredible view of what commitment looks like. Commitment. Because we can come consume, and here's what I want you to know. The vineyard is a place you can come and receive what you need. But we don't want to just stay there because God wants to meet our needs, do a work, and then we begin to learn that we can contribute to what God is doing in this place. And so making a meaningful contribution is a real gift. 
But then we want to step through contribution to commitment. And Kevin Rebus helped me with a great way to think about not simply contributing to a family, but truly being committed to a family. And here's what he says. Kevin says this, one of my favorite meals of the day is breakfast. Any breakfast people? Breakfast for breakfast, breakfast for lunch, breakfast for dinner. Come on. He says, one of my favorite meals of the day is breakfast. I can have breakfast any time of the day. Give me breakfast for lunch and dinner, and I'm good. I love pancakes, eggs, and sausage. But when you look at my plate with sausage, bacon, and eggs, he says, I see contribution and commitment. How, you ask? Well, the chicken contributed to my breakfast, but Mr. Piggy committed all in. The chicken contributed, but Mr. Piggy committed. All right? Beautiful picture from Kevin. The chicken gave eggs. It was convenient. It was distanced. Living for another breakfast. But Mr. Piggy, all in. What's interesting is Jesus does say, I bid you to come and die. Jesus says, come follow me, lay your life down, and then I will give you the life that you truly long to live. Commitment to a family and to a people. This is the way that God is at work. And Jesus wants to do a deeper work of discipleship. That's a really good church word for training us into the ways of God's kingdom, to to know the voice of God and be obedient to it, to walk in the, in the ways that look like Jesus but don't necessarily look like all the other things trying to disciple us, which is form us and transform us and conform us into whatever image they're trying to make us to be. And God says, I made you in my image. Walk with me, talk with me, learn from me, that we would be family. We've already prayed it this morning, our Father, our Father who art in heaven. See, every week when we pray that prayer, when we come to communion, we are discipling ourselves into the view of family. We are family. This is what it looks like to walk with Jesus. The thing that I want us to understand is that this is a work internal so that who we are and how we are with one another will flow into the ways we live our life. That we would understand we're family. That we're family. We must see ourselves as a family. A unified spiritual family seeing ourselves through a God-given identity. In John 17, which is where we're going to be hanging out the next three weeks, we're going to focus on this prayer that Jesus prays at the end of his life. He's been teaching his disciples, and he's getting ready to go to the cross and lay his life down for the redemption of the world, for the forgiveness of sins, and to show he conquers the final enemy, death. And this prayer that Jesus prays shapes us as a family. Sort of some important words. And what I want you to see is that the chapters that precede it, which are John 13, 14, 15, and 16, you know, it's all back to school, so we all get homework. You should read John 13, 14, 15, and 16 over the next few weeks and John 17. It's powerful stuff where Jesus is teaching. Pay attention to this. I'm going to summarize those four chapters real quick 
so that we can jump into the prayer that Jesus is praying because Jesus calls us to unity. Jesus calls us to love, and he calls us to set an example for the world. I don't think we need to be really upset with the world going, y'all don't look like a family. You don't look like you're very loving. You don't look like you're very unified. We need to be willing to just turn the mirror on ourselves and go, how are we doing? How am I doing? Am I being discipled in the ways of Jesus? So check this out. John 13, pretty helpful. Verses 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone, someone's, an occasional one, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, if it were not so, would I, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me also where I am. There's this connection. There's this family. Jesus is not leaving us alone. He's casting vision for us, and then he's saying, I'm going to fulfill my promises. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you there. You know the way to the place where I am going. And here's what's funny. The disciples even then don't get it. Thomas goes, "Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? You ever feel like that in your faith journey? How is this working? God, where are you? This makes no sense. Just come back again to the words of Jesus. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is teaching. His connection is with the Father. His work is with the Spirit. Because in John 14, we see the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Community, love, and unity showing us the way as a family. Let's jump to John 15. Don't y'all love this? I'm just preaching the whole Bible at you today. These words are better than mine, so I would just, you can spend time with them every day. It's really cool. You can get the YouVersion Bible app. It'll give you a verse of the day. It helps me so much. John 15, 5. Listen to the way it's connection, it's community, it's not distanced, it's not individualistic. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Connect to community. Connect with Jesus. Be that unified. Experience that kind of love. Let's just keep going. Jesus is knocking it out of the park today. John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have... Let's say that out loud. In me you might have peace. Raise your hand if you think we need peace today. Yes, come on. This is the work of God. This is the kingdom of God. This is the way of Jesus. If the world needs peace, guess who's bringing it to them? Us, a family of peace. A family of peace. In me, you will have peace. If we abide in Jesus and Jesus in me, the vine and the branches, verse 15, in John 15, guess what I get in John 16? Do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. In me you will have peace. Hope is found in the family of God. The work of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit invite us into a story of life, hope, and transformation. 
the backdrop of John 13, 14, 15, and 16 are so necessary for our transformation, for our discipleship, for the journey of not just having faith in Jesus as our Savior, but living with Jesus as Lord, meaning I follow you. I'm obedient to you. I don't live my own way. I live your way. So John 17. In John 17, I think the prayers of Jesus show us the heart of God for us. You ever wonder what God's heart is towards you? Like if you could just hear the voice of God just speak to you, like what he thinks about you, what he sees for you, what he hopes for you. I think we capture that in this prayer. And so I want to just jump into John 17, and I think there are some really important things for us as a community. I think there are some things that we need to be willing to look at and consider, are we going all in on this? Are we willing to be Mr. Piggy on the plate? Some of you are like, nope. Let's go back to that coffee break. A family committed to one another and committed to God. A family committed to one another and committed to God. Listen to the heart of Jesus as he prays. After Jesus said this, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Pause. Jesus with the Father since creation. The story starts in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Continues that way today. I, Jesus, have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Do you hear the relationship? Do you hear the connection? Do you see the family and the ties and the connection and the community? It is all woven through. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Holy Father, protect them. Keep doing work that they may be one as we are one, that they would look the way we look, that they would live the way we live, that they would walk and pray the way we walk and pray. This is the prayer Jesus is praying at the end of his life before he in obedience 
lays his life down for us on the cross, enters all the way into the death, trusts his life into death so that he could experience resurrection life. We are called to be a unified spiritual family, seeing ourselves through our God-given identity. This prayer and this perspective and this work of God needs to get above every other identity, above every other ideology. It needs to get above everything in our lives so that it is the truest thing about us, that we would see one another through the work of Jesus and the love of the Father. Because it is only with that view we can see a unified loving family. Because otherwise, we're going to start to disagree with each other, which is a lot of fun. And we're going to debate with each other about who's right and who's wrong. And guess what? We might both be right on some points, and we're probably both wrong on some points. So we just get upset, and we get angry, and we break relationship, and that's not the way of Jesus. Because we're called to be family. Verse 1, Jesus says, Father, he shows us the way. We get to be the children of God. That's actually the beginning of faith. He says, come to me like children. Believe in me like children. Be his son. Be his daughter. Let God be father and give wisdom and direction and identity to you. Verse 6, they were yours. Verse 9, they are yours. Verse 11, so that they may be one as we are are one. If there is a place in your life, if there is a place in the church that we are not walking in unity, we need repentance and forgiveness. It has to start here. It has to start here. It has to start with us. And this is going to be the hardest thing we do. We are family, and we are called to love and unity. Picking up the prayer in verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. He does not just praying for the disciples who are already following him, okay? Check this out. This is, like, really cool. If you have not ever read this verse, just be ready to have your mind blown. Hopefully. Hopefully I just didn't oversell that. Oh. I'm going to build tension and, like, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. In John 17, Jesus is praying for you and for me. You are near the heart and mind of God. That all of them may be one. One. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be... Are y'all sensing a theme? That they may be... That they may be... That we may be... as we are one, in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete 
unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and you will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may myself may be in them. This is the call of Jesus for your life. This is the call of Jesus for us as a community to step into this story of love, of unity, of transformation, of work since creation. Since creation for all people so that the world, all people might know. And I just think we need to flip the script a little bit because I'm I'm present to a narrative as a pastor where where the church is kind of looking at the world and and we're going, oh no. Oh, this is not good. And I think the world is looking at the church going, oh no. This is not good. And I think we need to look at Jesus and go, Jesus, you are good. The work you want to do is good. Let's get in on that. Let's consider being a family. Let's begin to live and experience the love that you have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and let's welcome that to transform us and to do something in us. And then let's share that generously as we leave this place. Because what we want to show the city around us is what it looks like to be family. And we just begin to love them before they ever realize their family. We pray for all those who will believe, just like Jesus. We begin to look for all those who God is pursuing, where there is work happening. And we just begin to show them what it looks like to be a part of the family. And then you go, I think I want to be a part of that family. Anybody ever have that? Do you have that family in your life? I have some people in my life like that. I look at their family and I go, ooh, yeah, can you adopt me? I like what y'all got going on. I like when you invite me over for dinner. I like when you cook that meal that particular way. I've never had that before. Woo! See, we just begin to show them how good it is to be a part of family. Because that's the trajectory of God's kingdom. Forgiveness, healing, love, knowing God. This is eternal life, that they know the one true God. Eternal life has begun for every believer. If you know the one true God, you're not waiting. You are walking into eternity for the rest of your days. And we will show the world what that looks like in the way we love one another. Love and unity means we are for one another. On your seats are a handout of what the scriptures say it means to be for one another. I am not going to read all those verses to you. I'm not going to cover all of them to you, but here's what I know. As we were putting together this resource, it's also available online, and there are these great ways to understand the scriptures calling us to be for one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another. As we were just, as we were just looking at the scriptures, and what most of these verses are are for the early church that are trying to figure out how to live as family. In circumstances, honestly, much like ours, they just didn't have to deal with all the social media chaos and they didn't have to worry about whether to buy a gas-guzzling car or a hybrid. 
But most of the relational stuff was the same. Most of the political stuff was the same. Most of the, all the human stuff, for the record, it was the same. But then the church begins to become this really beautiful picture of Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're learning how to live with one another and look very different than the culture around them. And they preferred one another, and they sacrificed for one another, and they gave sacrificially and generously for one another. And I would encourage us to to recognize that if we are family, when we come into this place, we should all be loved and served and cared for, and we should all be loving, serving, and caring for one another. So since I gave you the handout and all the verses are there, it's done, right? That was easy. Everything's fixed. Yay. All right, here's what's hard. I'm going to talk about myself for a second. I've read these verses before. I've read this part of scripture before. We need something more than information. Jesus' prayer should inform our prayers. Jesus' prayer should inform the fact that what we need is God living in us, dwelling in us, complete unity, where everywhere we go and every day we live and every conversation we're in, we're experiencing God at work in us. I love the one other passages. Put them on your fridge. Put them on your mirror. Read them. Memorize them. Let them go to work on your soul. Because the information alone is all there. It's the transformation of our heart, mind, soul, and rhythms. The way we live is what we all need. We all have to be transformed. And here's the biggest obstacle to our transformation, I think, that we overlook regularly. Jesus' prayer points to one point of contention. Jesus points to one problem that he prays specifically for us to be protected against. Did you catch it? I don't know because I don't know if I read it yet. John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. The greatest obstacle to the church being family is the spiritual battle and the fact that there is an adversary, there is an enemy, and it's the evil one, Satan, and his kingdom of darkness working tirelessly to break unity, to disrupt love, and to create dissension among the body. It's a spiritual battle. The the world, through the lens of Jesus, It is a spiritual battle. Ephesians, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says the same thing. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the kingdom of darkness. When Jesus prayed for all of us in John 17, 15, he says, my prayer is not that you take them out, that you don't just snatch them out, protect them that way. But he says, no, I want you to press into the culture. I want you to press into the world. I want you to press into relationships. And my prayer is that you will experience protection from the evil one. I'm going to take a little bit of a risk real quick. In the last 30 days, how many of you have prayed that persistently over your life? Lord, protect me from the evil one. Amen. Next week, I want more hands up because what I pray for is like, Lord, would you meet this need that I have? Lord, this, and that's not a wrong prayer. 
God, would you deal with this anxiety that I'm carrying significantly? That's not a wrong prayer. The source of that prayer is either my flesh or the enemy going to work on me. So let's pray the prayers of Jesus so that we can be family, which is, Lord, would you protect us from the work of the evil one so that I would join what you're doing in the world, not what the evil one's doing in the world. Ugh. Do you ever read the words of Jesus and go, I don't think I like that very much. I don't know if that fits my worldview. I don't know if I'm ready to give up the things I would have to give up to like pray that prayer. Here's what's interesting. For us to be connected to community, for us to be a family, there is going to be a collision of commitment. Just like Mr. Piggy, life with Jesus in God's kingdom will cost us. It will cost us. It costs us. It costs me my independence. Because Jesus says, follow me. I need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit working in me. It costs me my independence. It costs me my convenience. Uh, I'm a little tired. Uh, I don't know that I really want to have to deal with that conversation. I don't think I really want to do that work of forgiveness. It cost me my comfort. Actually, good, I'm, I'm, God, I'm, I'm good right here. He says, follow me. Yeah, nope. I'm good right here. It costs us everything to follow Jesus. Everything. When we say yes to being a part of the family of God, I no longer hold any part of me or my stuff or my life back. I bring all the most atrocious parts of me and I begin to experience redemption. And I bring all the gifts and I begin to learn how to give them away. And everything in between. Commitment in the kingdom of God is costly. This is hard. It, but it doesn't just cost, it gives. It, it gives us something so beautiful and so needed. It gives us community. It gives us purpose. It gives us compassion. It gives us a way forward. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. It gives us life. It gives us love. It gives us a source for everything good and right and true, and it transforms us from the inside out. It's what's needed right now. So how do we do this? How do we do this? 
the thing that I think we have to commit to is to begin to get to know people here. As we begin to have faith in Jesus, and here's the thing, everything I'm saying is about following Jesus and looking at the prayer of Jesus and beginning to consider this transforming work of Jesus. And I feel challenged. If you don't feel challenged, I feel challenged by all of this. That's why we take the coffee break. It's like a first step into connecting the community. Like, hey, you, I got coffee too. Or like all non-coffee drinkers unite, right? Like, like that's sort of the places we start. We start in like our interests and our connections and like, oh, you're breathing too. So am I. Hi, my name's Kurt. Like, we have to start somewhere and we usually start small, but it's about getting to know people and connecting the community. So we have the coffee break. We have small groups. It's connecting not just in Sundays, but outside of Sundays in a room of 10, 12, 15 people. Connecting on a serve team. I'm just going to keep, how many of you loved going by the cafe today? We had more than one person serving the cafe. There's a chance to connect into community and to serve together and to have purpose together. Connecting into community. It's all these rhythms of coming to the table. And then when you leave here, how many of you plan to eat lunch today? Start to invite people to lunch. Don't go alone. Like no lunch left alone. Like what, like together. Events. We're gonna throw we're gonna throw a big party. Mark your calendar, September 18th. We're throwing a party right here after church. Just stay. Let us host you. Don't sit alone. Introduce yourself to someone. Hi, my name is. This is terrifying. So I want to give you a way to activate commitment to a local church family this week. Okay? This is where we're gonna finish. Every one of you have an invite card on your seat. Now I'm I'm presuming you like coming here. If you don't like coming here, you're, invite somebody somewhere you do like going. <laughs> One invite will change a life. And I will tell you, it is way better to walk into a church with a friend than to walk in alone. It can be a really scary place. First time I ever went to church alone, I was in college, I was 18. The reason I had never gone to church alone is because my dad's a pastor. I was always going to church with family. I always knew people. I remember walking in, it was the worst. Not the church, but just walking in by yourself. So let's just start inviting friends and saying, I will meet you outside and we will walk in together and we will sit together and I will, I will show you how to navigate the coffee break together. But we have to show commitment by showing invitation. I'm here, come with me. Equip night. We're going to do an equip night, Love Your Neighbors, the last Sunday of August. It's going to be a way to, it's free, invite anybody you want. If you want your neighborhood, to, if you want your neighbors to be more nice to you, invite them to the equip night. Did you catch that? If you want your neighbors to learn how to love you, just invite them to the equip night, and we'll also train you. August 28th, we're going to try to train how to love our neighbors. And then we've just got to start carving out space in the calendar uh, my wife and I have four kids, and they're in extracurricular stuff, and what we're learning is everything that we're a part of feels unapologetic to ask us to show commitment to their schedule. Pearland Little League, go World Series. They have no problem asking you to commit to five nights a week, okay? This thing, that thing, they say, come be a part of our schedule. I would, I would invite you to consider how your schedule, is it convenience for church? Or is God maybe speaking to you about commitment to a local church family? And that's totally self-serving here. Just let me own it. I get that. 
But if you're here and you like this place, then let's press in together. And if you don't like this place, let's help you find a place that you do like. And, and then let's just take steps so that we can be family. Let's stand together. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be giving you save the dates. September 18th, big party. November 20th, big party. Small groups launch. Check them out. Serve teams are always ready to join. Serving our city outside of this place, whatever it is. Connect to community because Jesus' call to us is love and unity, that we would be one. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing, and here's what I want you to know. If, if anything of this felt disruptive to you, potentially an invitation from God to say, I have more for you. Do you want to walk with me? And if there's any disruption in your life that doesn't feel like the love of God, the work of God, or the goodness of God, we would love to pray for you so that you can experience God meeting your needs. So Holy Father, we bless your family. Show us what it looks like to be one as you were one. Show us what it looks like to be this kind of people that would be an example of who you are to the world, that we would be one as you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Show us what it looks like to walk in commitment to one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to bless one another. God, we need you. So Holy Spirit, fill us up and send us out to be a part of what you are doing here and now. We love you, God, and we need you. For all the places we feel challenged by this, let the Holy Spirit speak to us and call us into transformation that we might walk more fully obedient to you, knowing that you love us and you've loved us from the beginning of time. We bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.